film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. I'm Scott Simon from NPR. Don't know about you, but I'm sure ready for 2021. If you donated to public radio this year, thank you. In a year with so much to cover, you made the difference. Thank you for listening to WJFF Radio Catskill, keeping you connected. Good morning. Welcome to Catskill Character. I'm Donna Fellenberg. Wow, you know, it's been a long time since I said those words. I've been on a little COVID trip myself, not sick, but helping out family in Florida. We've all been through a lot, haven't we? So I I thought a good topic coming back right at the beginning of what they're calling the second wave might be how Catskill characters do COVID. Over a period of time, I'll be calling on Catskill characters, old and new, to tell me how they are, what adjustments they've made, and perhaps what they've learned from living through a global pandemic. As luck would have it, Gray Bassnight, first interviewed in 2018 at the release of his then latest book, Flight of the Fox, is about to release the sequel to that book, titled Madness of the Q. And he's here to speak with me about the book and all of the things I'm curious about regarding our response here in the Catskills to COVID-19. How does an author launch a new book during a global pandemic? Well, we're about to find out. Here's my conversation with Hankins, New York resident, Gray Bassnight. Gray, welcome to WJFF, and thanks so much for joining me once again on Catskill Character. Thank you, Donna. It's an honor to be uh, among the first guests on Catskill Characters uh, during your return from COVID, which we've all suffered from, of course. Yes, thank you, Gray. Uh, And before we start, let me just ask you, how are you and your wife, Lisa, doing? Thank you. Yes, we're doing great. We're ensconced here in our house in Hankins, and COVID is out there, and we're quarantining or sheltering as the whatever the best term is, but uh, we're healthy and happy. So knock on wood, we're, we've been very lucky. I'm so happy to hear that, Gray. And how's your dog, Tinta? Yeah, I always want to call her Tinga for some reason. She would answer to that as long as you had a dog biscuit. Tinta <laughs> is fine. She's, uh, she's happy and healthy as well, and she loves being here in uh, Sullivan County. You know, before we get into Madness of the Q, would you mind giving the the listener a a reminder about your book, Flight of the Fox? Not at all. Flight of the Fox was a run-for-your-life thriller published in 2018 featuring Sam Teagarden, who is a mathematics professor. And I made him kind of an everyman fellow. He's not an adventurer. He he does not have a black belt in karate. He uh, doesn't know anything about firearms. But he's in his house in Bethel, New York, and he's suddenly attacked by drones. And he runs for his life with nothing but the clothes on his back. And the adventure takes him from Bethel through New York City, through Washington, D.C., and finally to Key West, where he has a daughter. And in the end, it's uh, learned by the reader that Mr. Teagarden may or may not have come into possession of an encoded document that um, incriminates a man for many high crimes conducted during the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And that man's name is FBI Director J. 
Edgar Hoover. God, how do you come up with these ideas? It's just, it, you know, it's layer upon layer upon layer. Are you aware of it when you first sit down or does it develop as you're writing? Mostly it's the latter. When uh-huh. it comes to writing, there are two kinds of mystery and crime writers. There's the, the uh, outliner and then there's the seat of the pantser who just sits down with an idea. And I'm mostly the latter. Well, you know, I love that book. And I especially love that it took place in one of my all-time favorite places, Bethel, New York, home of the Woodstock Music and Arts Festival. In fact, the book opens up during the weekend of the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. That was good timing, Gray. Did you plan that? You know, I did. When I was writing it in 2016 or so, it dawned on me, hey, the 2019 is the 50th. So I set it in that summer during those three days. And when Sam Teagarden, the fictional protagonist, is on the run down the East Coast, there are periodic news stories about 50 years ago at this time, so-and-so was playing, and 50 years ago at this time. You know, Sam Teagarden is such an interesting character in that he's every bit the opposite of what you would consider an action hero, but he certainly becomes one. In fact, he's not even that mobile in the beginning of the book because he's still recovering from knee surgery that he had as a result of the car accident that killed his wife and nearly killed him the year before. Well, that's right. He uh, In that accident that happened about a year before the Flight of the Fox opens, he was uh, severely injured. He broke both knees, and of course, he lost his wife. So he's uh, still recovering from surgery and still in pain, which is one reason why he's at his house in Bethel, trying to take it easy when suddenly these dark forces intrude. Yes, the dark forces intrude via these tiny little drones that he first thinks is a a toy from the kid next door. And Unfortunately, there, there is a lot of death and mayhem in that first chapter. Well, there is, and death and mayhem continues chapter after chapter. Yeah. All, I can, <laughs> all I can say, it is a, a run-for-your-life thriller, and um, there's a lot of readers out there who enjoy a good thriller. But, you know, in all fairness, that's not for everybody. So it's always yes. good to, to get it out there and let them know what they're in for. So you started writing Madness of the Q before COVID, and the book opens up six years later with Sam sitting in his office at Columbia University, where now he's a a math professor there. Please tell the listener what the book is about, Gray. Sure. Madness of the Q is, of course, a sequel. It features Sam Teagarden, my everyman protagonist. He's now married to his second wife, who he met um, during, in, during the prequel, and he's returned to his life as a mathematics professor when suddenly he's attacked again by drones. This time, the drones are even smaller than they were in Flight of the Fox, where they were approximately the size of a, of a hardball. Now they're approximately the size of houseflies, and there are dozens of them. So it turns out that um, he runs from the drones, and in this time, the FBI is actually on his side, and they want to recruit him to help with a major international crisis involving a situation where cults, cult groups, are getting involved in actually committing mass suicide, and they think it may be because of a, a document that has been discovered called the Q document. 
Q is actually derivative of a German word, Quelle, Q-U-E-L-L-E, meaning source document. And it's a bit of a religious document that dates from the founding of Christianity. And because Sam Teagarden is famous, and because he helped expose crimes committed by the FBI in the 1950s and 60s and so forth, this time they want to see if he can help put an end to this international crisis. Wow, you must do a lot of research to write these books. Well, I did more research for Flight of the Fox because I had to learn about J. Edgar Hoover. In this case, you know, I did. I did some research on the Q document, which is not fictional. It does not exist, but it is theorized to exist by biblical scholars, both scholars of both faith-based and secular-based research. And they say that they believe it exists because they've examined the New Testament and they think it is the second source for Matthew and Luke, the first source being Mark. I want to talk a little bit about Sam, because in this book, he seems to be more than just a two-dimensional character. You have him suffering from PTSD. Yes, he is privately suffering from PTSD because of, as you called it earlier in the first book, a lot of death and mayhem goes on. Well, because he's a normal man and he's not a grand superhero, he doesn't have firearms or karate black belts, it affected him deeply. In fact, in Flight of the Fox, the prequel, he actually breaks down weeping. I think it's twice. And in in this adventure, because he is still an everyman, he's suffering from PTSD, and he's uh, once again cast solitary in his uh, struggle against the world to try to Uh, help solve this international crisis. But in the meantime, he has competing dark forces trying to do him harm. And um, he emotionally struggles. And in fact, he struggles mightily to try to keep it all together. Yeah. What what made you decide to give him PTSD? Well, it's it's what I would have as as a normal human being if I were put in this situation. So therefore, I thought it would be um, characteristic of his everyman status. And I'm hoping that uh, readers can identify with that rather than wanting the constant recycling of somebody, for example, with Jason Bourne, who knows how to scale buildings and beat up a dozen people without breaking a sweat. This this is not Sam T. Carton. Right. Yeah, he really is every man. What, what was that quote that you told me once about courage? Oh, right. Um, I've heard this from others, including military figures, when they say courage is not acting without fear. Courage is the act of proceeding despite fear. So fear is natural. It's natural to all of us, and it's certainly natural to Sam Teagarden. So during the course of his run, in this case through Europe, because um, Madness of the Q takes place throughout Europe, he's uh, proceeding every step of the way despite his fear, because he is dreadfully worried about uh, what's happening next. Yeah, despite his paralyzing fears, he's an ordinary man who does extraordinary things. And, you know, I I think once again, Gray, you've done something very timely here, because unbeknownst to you, when you were writing this, uh, we were going to go through a pandemic. And I, I firmly believe that there are a lot of people now going through PTSD, that they've suffered incredible fears 
and trauma over these last nine months. So there's something to be learned here about PTSD in this book, even though that wasn't your intention. Um, I I think you're right. Well, I hope you're right. But I don't want to give too much away. So let's take a quick break here. Okay, Gray? Okay, fine. You're tuned into Catskill Character on WJFF Radio Catskill. And I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. After a quick break, I'll be back with my guest, author Gray Bassnight. His new book is Madness of the Q, and it's about to launch on December 3rd. We'll be right back. I'm Donna Fellenberg, host of Catskill Character, and I'm so glad to be back with a new series of interviews I'm calling Catskill Character, How We Do COVID. Author Gray Bassnight will join me Saturday at 11.30 to talk about his new book, Madness of the Q, and how he's promoting it during the time of COVID. That's Catskill Character, this Saturday at 11.30 on WJFF. WJFF, Jeffersonville, W233AH, Monticello. Celebrating 30 years of public radio for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. This is Catskill Character. I'm Donna Fellenberg with today's guest, author Gray Bassnight. His new thriller, Madness of the Q, finds Sam Teagarden of Gray's 2018 release, Flight of the Fox, once again, a reluctant hero, this time battling global madness that leads him on the run from New York City to Israel to Italy and Germany. This is all sparked when an ancient biblical parchment is unearthed at a Middle Eastern archaeological dig. In this book, you've got Jonestown-type mass suicides erupting across the globe with two conflicting groups of zealots fearing or cheering the repudiation of the foundations of Christianity. Although he's been recruited by the FBI, as usual, Sam's life is threatened numerous times and he's on the run with little or no help. Can he once again save the day? Or will his own demons from his many traumas render him not up to the task? And after all the work that must have gone into writing this book, how the heck is our Catskill character, Gray Bassnight, going to get this book off the ground during COVID-19? Let's find out. I'm sure that a book launch looks very different today than it did in 2018. Can you tell the listener how you typically would launch a book before covid Oh, sure. Um, As your listeners know, the publishing industry has changed so much in recent years and decades that writers now have to do much of their own publicity and PR and promotion. So for Flight of the Fox, which was pre-COVID, we did an awful lot of in-person appearances. Libraries are wonderful. They are a godsend for writers. Reading groups are wonderful and a godsend. Working together with my wife, we did Sullivan County, we did some New York City. In fact, we premiered Flight of the Fox at the Mysterious Bookshop down there on 58 Warren Street in New York, down in Lower Manhattan. I think it's the last bookstore in the city that still is a specialty in crime and mysteries. Oh, is that why it's called the Mysterious Bookshop? I think so, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) 
But um, then we did, um, we traveled north. We went to Vermont. We went into Canada. We even went to Southern California. Now, with COVID, we cannot do that, Donna. So, so much of what we're doing is um, online and virtual. In fact, the premiere of Madness of the Q is going to be December the 3rd through a virtual event at the Liberty Library here in Sullivan County. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, you have a limited number of in-person people, so that's very much a big difference. And but before COVID, when you launched Flight of the Fox, you went to a convention, and I guess these conventions are very important to writers. Can you speak about that for a moment? Yes, there are a number of conventions. There's Thriller Fest, which is held in New York City. There's Left Coast Crime, which is held usually in Los Angeles. But the big one is called BoucherCon. It's named after a fellow named Anthony Boucher. And it's held once a year in different cities around the country. And the one that was supposed to be held just this past September was going to be in Sacramento. It was canceled because of COVID. So that's a big loss Uh, not only for writers, but for readers, because it's a convention where mystery and crime writers meet the people who are avid readers of mystery and crime. Um, I'm only hoping the next one will happen, which will be in New Orleans coming up uh, in about uh, nine months from now, but uh, it remains to be seen. The good news, Don, of course, is we have uh, some vaccines in the works that may help us get through this crisis. Right. So you went on a fairly large book tour with Flight of the Fox. Did you notice any difference in the reception that you got, say, in Canada from what you got down in the U.S.? Not really. If you are with a group of avid readers of crime and mystery, they are all very enthusiastic to meet writers. They're interested in having a QA and a about how it works, about how writers go about doing what they do, about developments in the publishing industry. And it's, it's a thrill to meet readers who want an inscribed copy of the book and to chat about writing and reading. Mm-hmm. And when you were at the mysterious bookshop doing your launch, was that like a party? Um, did you have wine and cheese and people milling about? Yes, that's a part of the fun as well. A little bit of wine, a little bit of cheese, uh, people milling about, um, signing books, Uh, reading passages from the book, and uh, really just a a great social event in a wonderful venue at the Mysterious Bookshop. And you did a a reading from your book, I'm assuming. In that case, I did, yes. Um, It's a lot of fun. I enjoy reading. I enjoy it very much. Yes, I've actually been to a couple of your readings, and you do a really good job. Thank you. I have to tell you. (laughs) I enjoy reading, and in fact, it's, um, it's just, this is just a bit of a digression, but I have a fantasy that I could go into grade schools and high schools and read passages from great literature to students because they just are so responsive when they're at that age, and they get it. They get how important reading is. Yeah. You know, Gray, that's a great idea, and maybe when COVID is over, you could contact some of the schools up here, and they would be very amenable to you coming in. You know, I I think kids that are older also need to be encouraged to read. And that would be fabulous if you could do something like that. That's that's really interesting. It, it is a dream of mine to eventually get on with that. And I would want to do it with others as well and have a multitude of readers on the stage talk to uh, 
uh, grade school and high school students about reading and writing because it's just vital to uh, uh, nurturing and educating the mind, I think. Yeah, you, you could even do it with some poets. That would be great. Yeah. Okay, so I get it. You you did your book tour. You unveiled your book at the Mysterious Bookshop in New York City. You went to conventions, etc. Obviously, as you said, that can't happen now. So I have two questions. What is the publisher of your book doing for you? And what are you going to do to launch the madness of the queue? I know you've spoken about the Liberty Library. Is there anything else that you can do? Yes, blogging. Um, I do a lot of blogging or try to, and the various <clears throat> blogs and internet magazines that focus on crime and mystery writing, and there are bunches of them. Um, if you inquire and pitch a subject, they're happy to have you write a story, and I'm in the process of doing that now. My wife is helping me. Lisa is, of course, a, a PR professional, so she knows how this sort of thing works, and so we've been a, a good team in that regard. As for the publisher, they do help, yes. They're a small publisher, but still they send out copies of the book to reviewers and to the large uh, um, mainstream review outlets, including uh, broadcast and print and newspaper and magazine, and so that's a big help. And um, the, the rest of it is pretty much done virtually now because of COVID, but um, we'll just have to see how that goes. Um, it won't be, as I've said before, there won't be a whole lot of in-person events, but with virtual, thank goodness for the Internet, with virtual yeah. events, you can still hit all the bases or at least try to. Could we just digress for one moment? Because I'm very interested in um, this whole thing about blogging. I don't understand it at all. So maybe you could uh, talk a little bit about blogging, how you get started, what you have to do. Well, what I'm calling blogging may actually be more accurately described as stories, individual stories. Um, for example, I've written a story about my favorite crime movie, which is the uh, version of Truman Capote's great novel. And you, you write that and it gets published in one of these uh, crime and mystery blogs or internet news magazines. And of course, your credit reads the author of Madness of the Q. So that's one way of bringing the novel and the attention to readers of the fact that you have a, a sequel that's out and available for purchase. It's a, it's a public relations move, but it's also enjoyable because you get to write about things that uh, mean a lot to you as a, as a crime and mystery writer. So that's actually the, the way you go about doing the blog. I, I know that there's probably other ways to do it, but thank goodness you have this available to you. I wanted to ask you also before we finish, I think you touched on it earlier, if this whole thing with COVID affected you emotionally as a writer and if it's dampened your chops, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to say no. But I know you work many long hours, as you put it, ass in chair. Uh, are you still able to accomplish everything you set out to do on a daily basis? Yes, uh, I am. Unfortunately, not everyone is, uh, depending on their industry. But as you know, writers work in solitude. It's just them and the keyboard and the English language. So COVID has not changed that much about what I do. It's after the book is published where the changes are taking place. Mm -hmm. uh, but during the actual writing process, 
very little is different for me. And in fact, because there's less intrusion and less going on in the world and we're all sheltering in place, um, I have more time available than ever. Uh, but you're right. Uh, the only rule to writing, as I've said many times, is butt in chair. And with COVID, I'm able to do that without interruption. Well, you know, I'm really glad to hear that, Gray, because frankly, I'm a big fan of yours now. <laughs> and when I was in Florida doing what I had to do, I was lucky to have the manuscript of Madness of the Q to look forward to once I crawled into bed at night. And I took a deep dive into Sam's life. And for that short time every day, I forgot about my own life and what was going on. What would we do without books and radio? I don't know where we'd be. And thank you for saying that. It makes me feel so good that uh, Madness of the Q was able to offer you some respite from what was going on with COVID and other aspects um, of your life that you needed to momentarily escape from. But books have been my treasure from the moment I graduated from comic books, which was about the age of 11. Mm -hmm. and since that time, I have never, ever been without a book um, throughout adolescence and young adulthood, it was a paperback stuck in my uh, hip pocket, and I would pull it out whenever I had a few moments to read it. And this is just the way it is, that people love to read and to escape. And um, despite the lure of movies and now Netflix and Amazon Prime, reading is still a big event in people's lives and in their desire to escape from what's going on in their lives. Yes, and I, and I feel the same way about radio. I mean, I heard Josh Fox talking about the fact that he has WJFF on all day long. And um, when I'm not reading, <laughs> I have WJFF on all day long because you get everything that you need to know up here nationally and in the world from listening to radio. So thank you so much for coming on the radio with me today, Gray. I will be at that virtual launch. Thank you. I'll be looking forward to seeing you there. And thank you for Catskill Characters. And thanks to WJFF. Lisa and I also have the station on all day long. That's great, Gray. You've been listening to Catskill Character on WJFF Radio Catskill. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg, and my guest today has been author of Madness of the Q, Gray Bass Knight. You can register for the launch of this book at the Liberty Public Library on December 3rd by emailing lib at rcls.org and ask for the link to Gray's book launch. Pre-sales of Madness of the Q are available at amazon.com and at barnesandnoble.com. Catskill Character is on every Saturday at 11.30, right after Farm and Country, and followed by The Janice Adams Show. Greg Triggs, Travels with Triggs, is on the last Saturday of the month in this time slot. I wish you all good health and peace of mind somehow during these difficult times. I'm Donna Fellenberg. Thanks so much for joining me today. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. 
Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. TwoQueensCoffee.com. And from listener donations at WJFFRadio.org. WJFF Jeffersonville. W233AH Monticello. Next time on Ask Me Another, we're joined by host of Top Chef, Padma Lakshmi, and she chats about her Hulu series, Taste the Nation. It just might inspire you to get creative with your Thanksgiving leftovers. And facing off as spouse testants are musicians Margot Price and Jeremy Ivey, plus comedians Jenny Hagel and Amber Ruffin return. So join me on NPR's Ask Me Another, the answer to life's funnier questions. Sunday morning at 11 on Radio Catskill. Support comes from the Homestead School, Lens Bay, New York. Montessori education and life skills for preschool through 8th grade on an 85-acre campus with farm animals. Award-winning solar-powered alternative since 1978. Homesteadschool.com Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Neversink General Store. Featuring an award-winning chef, smoked barbecue year-round, local products and catering. Now offering takeout. NeversinkGeneralStore.com And from listeners like you. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. What you'll learn in the book is my son has four mentors, but there are other men who played significant roles in mentoring moments. There are about 14 of them, and one of them is greatness comes from the heart, and it's about how you show up for people. And so... When my son, Max, was 14, he had a chance to meet Barack Obama about a month before he was elected into office for the first time. And so I'm going to read you an excerpt that describes this remarkable, intimate moment that gave Max a glimpse of what it means to be great. Coming up on the Janice Adams Show, Marianne Howland, author of the book Warrior Rising, How Four Men Helped a Boy on His Journey to Manhood. Trying to make it real compared to what... First, the news.